Do you work on a remote team all over the country? Do you have friends and family just too far away to visit? Are you struggling to connect communities that are never in the same place? Introducing TriviaThrowdownOnline.com The classic pub trivia experience with all of your friends and colleagues, but from the comfort of your own home or office. Designed for 6 to 60 players with question types built to encourage teamwork and collaboration. One of our live MCs runs the entire 75-minute experience, so you don't have to do anything except for show up, bring a drink, and get ready for some fun. TriviaThrowdownOnline.com. Book your free demo and get a quote today. We're doing it live. Hollywood Codes. Go. Hey, Hollywood. Hey, Hollywood Codes. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mike Blitz. I'm your host, Mike Wade, my co host, South Richmond, Mike White. Oh, what a week for what my guy. Week. What, what a week, week for my guy. What a, we'll week. Get, what a week. But before we get into that, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm still riding high, honestly. I I'm, bet you I'm, are. All I've been doing in all of my spare time is consuming content around that game. I don't blame And it's you. still flowing in. It's yeah. still still fresh takes flown in the best thing is and we'll talk more about this in a second is this being a, effectively a bye week given the the the, the, comp, the, the opponent you're playing this week you yep. get a whole nother week to kind of just enjoy this one in the college football universe just being the top of the world yeah. until your next real game so kudos to you congratulations um Feels but good. O- other than uh other than obviously the game of the game of tennessee's game last 20 years what'd you do this weekend How, what's, what's new with you what's going on um you know, my weekend was kind of centered around the game. Yeah. I'd be lying if it wasn't. Yeah. Um we yeah. we got to hang out and we yes, were able to hang out. That we was did. really great to see you guys and really great to see Anna and and, and celebrate uh y'all's new baby. So yeah. congratulations again. Thank you. Thank baby. you. Not new baby, the baby to be. Baby to be. Baby to baby be to be named later. Yeah, no, this is a great weekend. We had our we we had our baby shower. Um, our next door neighbors, shout out Mark Franzen, one of the listeners, one of the guys who does the uh, Craft Beer Mafia podcast. Uh, him and his wife Kate threw an awesome party for us, and it was great to see a lot of them and celebrate, um, and do all that. So that was what I mean. That was mostly my weekend. I obviously we had the projector up in his backyard, so I was watching the game, but also like talking to a lot of people. So there was a lot going on. Um, but I got to do that Saturday, and then I got to see you and Lindsay and your people on Sunday. That was a blast. Um. So yeah, it was a great weekend. Um, uh, and I'll, but I want to talk a little bit about what I'm doing this next weekend. I'm going to, I'm actually going to Shrymont. Uh, this is the place where Mike and I met. We've been buds about 20 years now, and I'm actually drinking. This is my, my this is my smooth transition to what's in your glass. I'm actually drinking a Virginia Pale Ale um, by Brothers Craft Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. One Very of my, nice. one of my, this is a, this is a 4.8 uh, Pale Ale. Ah, it's earthy. It's nice. One of my favorite things to do when I go to, when I go to Charlotte, when I go to the mountains is to drink local beer from the mountains. So I went to Whole Foods and I got me a six pack of this deliciousness, which I cannot wait to drink all weekend um, because I love drinking mountain beer in the mountains. So I'm, that's what I'm drinking tonight. Virginia yeah. Pale Ale Outdoors Brewing. And for those of you who don't know, even though we don't have that many listeners, so a lot of you probably do know, um, 
Mike and I have the same tattoo, and it's of that place. <laughs> it's true. It is two mountains across and a river. It's seven lines. I actually got tattooed with Mike at Virginia Beach. You guys are learning all kinds of fun stuff about us uh, this, this yeah, show. That's I actually stuff. drew that tattoo on like a napkin, and then yes, it got did. transposed onto your back. And it's still there <laughs> 18 years later. So that's that's good stuff. Um, what, what I'm drinking the pale ale. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking a Star Hill Ramble On. It's a juicy okay. IPA, and it tastes like juice. It's I think from, I, uh, I Star Hill in Charlottesville. Yeah, speaking of beers towards the mountains, um, I think I had that at the de- at the the Richmond the, the downtown. Have you been Have you been to the new Star Hill in um no in the fan? It's sweet. No. It's sweet. It's got a big upstairs. It's got a big it's like Scott's hill. Edition, right? Yeah, Scott's Edition. It's near the Vale and Vasa and all the other breweries. Um, we actually, I actually watched the opening weekend. I watched the Virginia Tech ODU game uh, with Darren Stedman, a Patreon subscriber, and his wife. Um, so it was pretty cool. So that's the kind out. of extra content you get for being a Patreon subscriber. Yeah, if you're a Patreon, that's right. You get to hang out with us at breweries in Richmond, drinking beers, watching. Yeah, football. just rub rub elbows with us. Exactly. Can't think better than that. Uh, enough about um, our life story. Let's talk um, some college football. Uh, let's start. We always start. Let's go ahead and start with the. Let's just go ahead and start at the very top. Uh, Georgia uh, just dismantling Vanderbilt 55 nothing. Nothing really new there. Um, Georgia's going to Georgia. Uh, anything else you want to add on that one? No, I don't think there's anything to add. Vanderbilt's terrible. Georgia's good. <laughs> it's pretty simple, actually. I totally agree. Uh, the next game, and all of a sudden, you're at the top of the list now, man. You were not number two in the pecking order in week zero or week one, but you are now. That's right. Um, monster game. Game of the year. Uh, Tennessee. Game of the decade. For game me of the decade. For Tennessee quite, quite Tennessee fans. Absolutely. Game of the decade. Ding dong. The witch is dead. Gets the monkeyest of all monkeys off their back in what was just a wild, dramatic, wild game. Yeah. Tennessee gets the win. 52-49. Um, despite getting the. LSU get the brakes beat off by Tennessee eight days ago. I'm still very happy for the Vols. Um, just go start. Just go, man. Tell me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I want to preface this by saying, um, for those of you who don't know, there is a tradition uh, in this game that the the winner uh, lights up cigars at the end of the game, and so you can see cigar smoke on the field. You can they they continue it into the locker room. The fans do it. Players do it. Staff does it. Everybody lights cigars up. Um, and it's just a thing. And it's really cool. And we haven't done it in 15 years. I went out this week and I bought a cigar. And I'll be honest, I was really confident all week long. And the minute that I went to the store special to buy this cigar, I felt like I was jinxing us a little bit. All of a sudden, <laughs> I got a little nervous. I got a little nervous. I even said, because I don't smoke cigars, but I just, I wanted to partake in this tradition because it's been 15 years. And I was like, this is I just felt like the time. I'll be honest. It just felt like we were going to do it. And I even asked the lady uh, after I picked out my special cigar, I said, is it bad luck to cut it this early? And she said, when are you going to smoke it? I said, Saturday. And she said, yeah, wait and cut it right before you smoke it. I said, okay. Okay. Um, Yes. So that being said, all that being said, yes, this was amazing. Um, uh, Outside of just that piece, um, it just, you couldn't have scripted it any better for so many reasons. Um, undefeated, it's it's Bama, which is, of course, the the big bad of college football for, for years and years and years and years. It's us coming out of nowhere this year. It's Tennessee being off the map. It's not like we had a whole, a whole offseason to get our expectations high and, and 
get upset about every game that was close and pick apart all of our flaws in our team. It's just enjoying the ride. And this one just couldn't have been any sweeter. We got out to a, a big lead. Bama came back. And of course, you know, we took haymakers and they got back in the game. We made uncharacteristic mistakes. Hendon Hooker threw his first interception of the year. Um, we gave him a touchdown, just gave him a touchdown on a, on a fumble on a, on RPO. Yeah. On a mesh point. And it just looked like, okay, this is what usually happens. You know, it's a close game. And at the very end, Bama pulls it out and we are all saying what could have, should have, would have happened. And this this time, no, this team to their credit and this staff did not flinch. They went for a two point conversion. They got it. They, after they, after Hooker threw the interception, the defense made a stop. We got the ball back. They didn't give up any points. And that was a crucial point in the game. One of the few stops of the night. We only punted the ball once. And Tennessee has only punted three times in three SEC games on the season. Yeah. Good gracious. That's amazing stat. <laughs> um, you know, this game was also just about superstars doing superstar things. I kind of thought Bryce Young was going to come in wounded animal. Uh, he did not. He went nope. 35-52 for 455 yards and two touchdowns. He had a monster day. I kind of thought Tennessee would bottle up Jameer Gibbs. I don't think that that really happened either. 24 carries, 100 yards, three, three touchdowns. Um, but didn't matter because Tennessee just went off on offense in big ways. I mean, we've got stat lines, Jalen Hyatt. Holy smokes. This thing should be, this thing should be put on a, his stat line from this game alone should be put on a plaque on the side of Nayland stadium, six catches, 207 yards, five touchdowns. Unbelievable. That's 35 yards of catch, 35 yards of catch against Alabama Crimson Tide. In Nayland, like it's just unbelievable. Like that, I that's unbelievable. That guy, should, that Jalen Hyatt should never have to buy a drink, a steak, a house in the city of Knoxville for the rest of his life, whatever it does at this moment. From that, from and I know we've on. both seen this stat, but for some of our listeners, the most points put up on an Alabama defense since 1907. And who was it? That would be your Swanee Tigers. Swanee Tigers making a long time appearance on the pod. Welcome. Yes, Swanee's right. Uh, Man, good stuff. 100 plus years of Tennessee said move over. It's our turn. Uh, So just speaking of um, all star playmakers making plays. Did Will Anderson Jr. play? Didn't seem like it. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I believe he did. I'm not, I don't know that. I don't know that unless they put somebody else in his uniform and got him out there. Maybe that's what happened. Um, but Will Anderson, obviously, uh, are probably top two, top three uh, NFL draft pick next year. Uh, all world uh, pass rusher from Alabama. He just didn't show up. And he just and like I don't and I don't see. Uh, frankly, the game was happening so fast. and There was so much offense. I wasn't paying that much attention to him. Like, I don't really know what happened. Like, maybe they, maybe uh, Heupel and the, and the offense just schemed around him. Maybe it was just too hurry up for him to get back there. I mean, like, what's what's the what's the what's the autopsy on that? Well, there's two things. First off, I I bring that up jokingly to give our offensive line a huge amount of credit. They've sure. been doing it all year. We outrushed Alabama 182 yards to 114. You say that Jameer Gibbs didn't get bottled up. To me, he did. That's a, an amazing stat line to only give up 114 yards rushing to Alabama when you've got Bryce Young, who can do it with his legs, and Jameer Gibbs, who was their everything on offense, both pa- passing and, or catching and, and rushing. And our offensive line only gave up one sack, and it, and it was a coverage sack, quite frankly. Um, and I think only two negative plays outside of that in the run game. 
So they did a fantastic job pushing, protecting Hooker and and pushing on the ground. Uh, so I mean, just a huge. I mean, huge I don't. I mean, in the back. I mean, they, they, he didn't go off. He didn't have a monster day. He got four point oh. three yards a carry. He got twenty four carries. He had three. He got. He went over hundred. He had three touchdowns. It's still a good day. It's a good um, day. It's still a good day, but it wasn't good enough. So, um, you know, um, I, I honestly, I, but the takeaway for me, um, two things. One, um, Tennessee is legit as it gets. Tennessee passed every eye test, smell test, phys- every physical endurance test that anybody, everybody in the college football universe has seen with their own eyes. I mean, no team is perfect. Even the, even the, the, the heavyweights this year, Georgia and Ohio State, I can point to, I can point to a week as every team. Tennessee is 100% certifiably among those. We're back. Tennessee is back. Um, I also, uh, I I want to go back to this one more time really quickly and then I'll move on. Um, Bryce Young is going to go back to New York. He is really, really, really good. I don't, I, you know, he kind of had those, he kind of had that. He did carry him. He kind of had that. He was amazing. Because our D line got a lot of push. He, he got hit a lot. Yeah. He just got up and played a very physical game. Yeah. He took a lot of, a lot of shots. He, 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 he threw the ball 52 times. Alabama quarterbacks don't throw the ball 52 times very often. And he did that game. So, um, I, I know still, we have yeah. a huge, we have a glaring weakness in the secondary and that's not anything new. That's been new. That's been the story all season. Since, yeah. Pretty, but pre-season. we came into this game down two starters in the secondary. By the end of the game, we were down two more and we were finishing the game with a walk-on playing cornerback against ideal. Alabama in the not biggest ideal. game of the year. Guess what? He came up with a tackle, and he was in on the final incompletion that forced forced Bama's long field goal. That's a walk on. That's storybook stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, this is like you couldn't have scripted it any better if you're a Tennessee fan. I did appreciate. I, I, I did appreciate a lot of the post game stuff about uh, the, the the uprights. One, the, the University of Tennessee president saying doesn't matter how much it costs. Uh, the funny um, fundraising thing they did. Tennessee's not poor. They weren't looking for money. That was so dumb. But the the, the oh the, yeah, we got roasted for that. In a few yeah, places. which is ridiculous. So stupid. so little context. So after the so the, uh, putting uprights, um, one buying uprights and installing them is fairly expensive. It's a six figure job. It's usually like a hundred hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Tennessee ripped them down. Which a lot, a lot of schools do when they storm. The field, the press. They they let them rip them. They down. let them do that. Yeah, and the, 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 there's a there's a video of the university president in the box with a cigar, enjoying a Tennessee win over Alabama, and he even says, "I don't care how much it's or what he says doesn't we'll matter do how much it costs. Year. You do it every yeah, do it every yeah. year. Doesn't matter how much it costs." Um, but anyway, the school did a fundraiser, and they were asking for donations. One was the score. Uh, one was the attendance. They're asking for different uh, different figures to help. Pay off pay, to offset the cost of the new uprights. Not that Tennessee is hurting for one hundred fifty thousand dollars, people. It's just a good fun, good, good, fun way that college football has all this interesting character and spirit and development, and a great way to raise money. Um, I thought it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, it was an amazing scene. Um, I love the fact that they let them do that and let the fans enjoy the win. Last time this happened. 1998 won the national championship against Florida. They ripped the uprights down. They carried them down Cumberland Avenue. They ended up in the river. Guess where those uprights ended up in the Tennessee river. 
So that's, that's just fun. That's just that is, fun. That is just fun. I will say I'm a little disappointed. I have because those are, those things are now like memorialized. I'm, I'm 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 almost half surprised there wasn't some good old boy with like a like a miter saw or something like chopping it up like ready to sell pieces like to throw. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure. Know. Got it. I'm sure there are pieces <laughs> like, somewhere. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm I'm half surprised. Like uh, you know, Frat Island at UT, all those guys didn't have a plan. Like they're going to take the upright and do something with taking it. Taking it back to my crib. Taking it back to my house. Party at my house with the uprights. Uh, very cool. Well, we're going to talk more about this game, obviously, in the coming weeks because this game is going to have ripple effects in much, 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 much of the main storylines of college football. But for tonight, uh, I think we've done. I think we're, anything else you want to add? When we're, we're, um, we're, no, we're I, think, I think that's that's plenty, plenty of coverage. Uh, I'm still feeling great. Bama is still melting down, which good. makes me feel even better. So makes me feel good better because we, yeah. we got them. Here's our rolling. Yep. Uh, let's move on. The other team that that passed a big time test, at least in my imagination, it wasn't a real test. Uh, Michigan, Michigan beat the brakes off of Penn state. This score was uh, 16 to 14 um, at halftime. It shouldn't have been. It was a really bizarre, been. fluky tip ball. Um, uh, Michigan, they, they won. They won by 24. They should have won by 44. Um, I don't, I think Penn state's actually a pretty solid team. I think Michigan is also really, really good. So um, I think Penn state is a very solid team on defense. I'm still not sure about their offense. Yeah. Sean um, Clifford, you kind of, you kind of know what you have with Sean Clifford. And I, and obviously drew Alar hasn't lit enough sparks to take it over for them. So I, you might have, you might have a point there, but I, but the, I mean, the biggest thing for me was, well, two things. One, Michigan made the playoff last year after a great season. They beat Ohio State. It was a big, big turning point for Michigan, um, getting that monkey off their back as well. Um, uh, they lost a ton, especially off the defense. Aiden Hutchinson, Ajabo, so many guys in the back end. Um, they aren't. They haven't stepped back much. And Michigan is not a program like a Alabama or Georgia where it has 15 five stars waiting the wings. I'm really impressed with how well their defense seems to have turned turned has. Turn. They haven't dropped off much. Given that, second thing I really love, I think Michigan has the best offensive offensive line in the country. They just murdered them up front. Um, Edwards and Quorum are just running over everybody. If they're going to beat Ohio State, it's going to be the same way they did it last year with really good defense and just be much, much, much more physical at the point of attack. And they're they're going. I mean, at this point, I don't see Ohio State or Michigan losing until. To that game, the, the, look at those schedules. I think they're, I think they're, they're cruising. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that point. Uh, going back to the game itself, uh, even though it was tight, and to the casual observer, or or maybe you didn't, you didn't watch the game, or you just checking the box score, um, there was nothing tight about the game at the half. Yeah. Penn State only had one first down. They survived basically on two plays. It was like you just felt like the dam was waiting to burst, and it yeah. did. And um, could have been worse. <laughs> James Franklin, that puts his record, I think, against top 10 teams. I, I want to say 0 and 10. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, he's got he's going to have some explaining to do. Now, is that is that a, is that a structural thing or is that a mediocre coaching thing? Like, because is Penn State the team that can sustainably challenge Michigan, Ohio State? Are they are Michigan, Ohio State just a level above Penn State? I don't really it's know coaching. the answer. It's 100 percent coaching. Okay. That okay. that that same question that you just asked me could have been asked of any Tennessee coach over the last several years. Can Tennessee really get back and challenge Bama? Can they really challenge Georgia or yeah. you know fill in the blank LSU? 
Sure, like, but I guess I guess what I mean. I, I don't, but Ohio, but Penn State has beaten Michigan and Ohio State in the last five years more than once. I think. Um, they, they uh, beat, but not they, when, not when they were top ten. Not when they were top ten. Um, so Penn State has done that. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I still think. I still think. My, my. What, what my would concern, you say? What their hurdle would be? I don't know. I think it might be recruiting. I don't. I don't know if they. I don't know if they're recruiting well enough. They've I don't got know the brand. The, They've got. I don't know the, if the. the I don't know if the grass line. is greener. I don't know that James Frank that they can find a coach who's going to take them to the next level. But then again, look what Heupel did in eighteen months. I mean, I guess James I mean, Franklin was the hottest name in coaching. Like I remember. I remember. Um, but whatever. I'm. I, I'm. I don't think. Penn, I don't think Penn State's can. They're clearly. They are clearly the, probably. They're probably the third best team in the in the in the Big Ten. But there is a massive drop off between yeah. Michigan, Ohio State, and them too. Um. There. One thing. I want to say, one more thing about this Michigan team that I want to say before I move on. This team reminds me. These Michigan teams this year and last year's Michigan teams. They remind me a lot of that Super Bowl run 49ers team, which was just physical, physical defense, just bigger, stronger teams. This team is totally built in Jim Harbaugh's image of what he wants to do in football, which is be bigger and stronger than your offensive line, play just play brutal, punishing defense. And with and with frankly, given how finesse so many offenses are going, it's kind of refreshing to see somebody who's just like, I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna march down your throat. You're not there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just don't see that very often anymore. No, and it creates a really interesting style matchup when when it comes to that Ohio State game because that's the same one we had last year. Yeah, and that's I what think I, that's why I think it's why Michigan won last year. They're just so much more physical than in Ohio State. Yeah, but you know, there's there's an adjustment period that comes with that, and you know, you've got your personnel and and you've got to roll with them, and if you can make the adjustment and and get up, you know, um, Michigan in this case, I don't think would be built to come back against an Ohio state. Um, last, last year, you know, they kind of got bullied and yeah. if, if they can scheme around that a bit with their was, speed. Yeah. They also, they also, they also played in Ann Arbor. It was also snowing. So it was yeah. very conducive to a game to have that physical, that heavy kind of physicality kind of game. Um, but yeah, if it's a track meet and they're down 17, nothing in the second, I mean, Michigan might be in trouble. I mean, I think you're right about that. Uh, but um, you know, that's Michigan. Doesn't matter. We're going to find out. Michigan, Ohio State, they're going to play each other. They're very likely both going to be undefeated. That's going to be 11-0 matchup. That's going to be a monster in about five weeks. So that's good stuff. Uh, let's keep moving. Uh, Utah um, upsets. Uh, I guess upsets. I think they were three-point favorites. Uh, beat USC. Uh, it was 45-42. It was Ohio, Utah gets a late touchdown. They decide to go for two. They didn't want to, they didn't want to go the overtime. Went for two. Got it. 43-42. Um, Hell of a game from the Utah Utes. Um, uh, you know, uh, South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, SoCal's defense is not what it should be. Um, Cam Rising had a big day. Dalton Kincaid, Utah tight end, 16 catches, 234 yards, and touchdown. That dude is a beast. Um, did you hear the rumor about him on Twitter? No, after the game, apparently, some Alabama boosters offered him a million dollars to transfer to Alabama next year. And and, and there were there were there were somebody admitted that it was, that that's what happened, but nobody acknowledged that it was. Um, they said a Utah player was proposed was was approached by another team to. And they were talking about the transfer portal and being offered a million dollars. And someone was saying how bad it is. It was it was a it was a debate anyway. Cam Rising on Facebook, I'm sorry, Instagram, kind of alluded to it was uh, Dalton, and he's not leaving. He's staying at Utah. So, um, but man, balled out, big game for the Utes. Uh, Pac-12. 
Now, yeah, this was this was a go ahead barn burner. Um, we both thought that USC would win this game. Uh, they could have. Um, it doesn't really affect things too much in my mind. Um, Utah bowed its neck up and 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 won the game. USC still has everything in front of them. Still a championship contender. They still have things they've got to get figured out on offense. I was really impressed with Cameron Rising throwing the ball because yeah. Utah's mo has been ground game, ground and pound. Yeah, he runs the ball and he he still did that very well. Um, but it's almost like they saw something um, in the Trojans defense and decided to attack it because he threw the ball uh, more than I, don't, I think he has all season. He threw the ball 43 times, 415 yards. Um, so that was great to see. I mean, that was a, a great game. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get to see it. Caleb Williams balled out five touches, 381. I mean, he did he, what what he's been doing all year. He's like he's he's kind of like a young Patrick Mahomes. Like he just, I mean, I, I've watched enough of him in pieces and uh, highlights and kind of the fast forward watch later. He scrambles, he finds times. So he just makes plays. I mean, I, I get why Lincoln Riley w- 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 yeah. went after him so hard to bring him with him because he he has the ability like Mahomes does in the NFL. Player. He's a football player who can extend plays and go off script and find guys like Jordan Addison, who is a pretty good wide receiver. I don't know if you heard of him, the Blitnikoff winner, although he got hurt. Oh, um, yeah, from Pitt, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, pretty good. Yeah, I think I remember him. I think I remember him. Um, he can find he'll, he can go off script and find guys, which is what makes this offense so, so good. And Travis Dye, they've got options at backfield. Um, they've, got, they've got options out wide. Continue to roll. They're gonna have to. I don't. I don't think they're gonna compete for the national championship this year. Even though I think you're right, it's still out there in front of them. They still can get there. Um, there's just, still a path. There's still a path. It's just the defense is. It's too much. Too much big a liability. And you can't. You can't. I don't think you can be a top four team in this country at the, by the end of the year with that kind of question mark on defense. But well, know. I think yeah. The caveat that you just put in there by the end of the year is, is probably correct. But you. But. College football, as you know, it's week to week, and there's a lot that can change as these guys continue to gel, continue to get better. And when you've got an offense that's capable to, of putting up those kind of points, it's the difference of you know only getting two or three stops to getting a turnover and five or six stops. You know, it's just minor things here and there, and all of a sudden. You know, you're you're firing on all cylinders, so to speak. You're giving up 30, but you're putting up 50. So we shall see. Uh, let's keep it on. Congratulations to Utes. Uh, two loss. Obviously, Rose Bowl still. They, they can still the very least get the Rose Bowl. Um, but there's lots of drama to, to still unfold uh, between UCLA and Oregon. You know, the Pac-12 is of now is now a four and a half team. I would say half UW because they're half interesting. But there's still very much four very real teams. Two of them are playing this coming Saturday, which should be a great game. Probably the game of the week, frankly. Yeah. Um, but we'll, let's, so Pac-12. The Pac-12 is very, very interesting this year, which I'm so glad. It just makes college football better to have them to have them be interesting. The other conference, which is supposed to be crappy, but is not. The Big 12 had a great show, had another uh, undefeated showdown this past week. TCU knocked off uh, Oklahoma State 43-40. They were losing all of this game, 14 points in the fourth quarter to force uh, the overtime. Double uh, overtime. Double OT, get the win. Uh, Max Duggan continues to be a really solid guy. Sonny Dykes, I, at this point, has got to be coach of the year, I, I would think, although you know Josh Heupel might have something to say about that. Quinton Johnson, have you seen this receiver? I think I talked about him already. This there's Quentin Johnson is Johnston is a, is a wide out for uh, TCU. He's like 6'4", 220. He's like a Larry Fitzgerald type. People that big aren't supposed to move like he does. He is 
awesome. Eight carries, eight catches, 180 yards, touchdown. He's having monster weeks every week. Uh, horn frogs, uh, gig them. Is that what they say? What, what's the horn frog? They, they do this too. Yeah, they do the horn frogs. Really horn frogs. Cool. Uh, um, Oklahoma State's a great team. They're, they're, they're still a lot of football ahead of them, but uh, TCU get the win, six and zero. Are they the only undefeated team left in the Big Twelve? In the Big Twelve, I think they are. In the Big Twelve, yes, I think so. Nice. Yeah, and and um, again, you know, Max Duggan playing nearly flawless in in their system. They're running the ball effectively. They're throwing the ball effectively, and you know, they're playing just enough defense. They're getting stops when it counts. TCU. Legit contender, I think right now you have to say they are. I think they are too. The problem with the Big Twelve is it's just going to cannibalize itself because the problem they don't have any bad teams. You know, this is typically yeah. the time when an Iowa State is not very good, although they're actually well, they're a pretty solid team. But Kansas, Kansas is always bad. Kansas, although they lost, they've lost two straight. They lost a tough one to Oklahoma this week. Um, they're good. The what I think is going to happen with the Big Twelve is they're just going to eat each other alive. I don't think there's going to be an undefeated team. I think every team's going to have two losses after the championship. So I think. The Big 12, while having a great year and quality conference top to bottom, they don't have, they're not, I don't think they, they don't have the high end. They don't have a Georgia. They don't have an Ohio State this year that I can think of. Yeah. So. You know, Kansas is a great story this year. Um, we picked, I think we both picked them to, to win against Oklahoma. Um, you know, their backup quarterback still did really good things, but. You know, Oklahoma, I think, was 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 bound to rebound at some point. They they finally got it together on offense. Yeah, Dylan and, Gabriel uh, had a yeah, Dylan Gabriel had a big day, 29-42, yeah, Getting him back helps. Getting him back above. Uh Oklahoma wins 52-42. They still are atrocious on defense. Um and uh, uh they, they they they're they're four and three on the season. They have their loss to ahead of them. Uh their defense has to get better. Um this guy just reiterates both this the the, the Kansas game reiterates two points to me. One, Kansas is pretty good, and they're gonna have they're gonna have a nice solid year. And Oklahoma is a full rebuild. They are, you know, kudos for scoring for hanging fifty on a solid Kansas team, but this defense is still just miles from where it needs to be. Yeah, not just the defense. I mean, we know that Kansas has some they've played good defensive games, but um Oklahoma is very inconsistent on offense with or without Dylan Gabriel and put up 700 yards, 700 yards of total offense. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of yards. And so they need to get a little bit more consistency. I think some of that is just coaching change, you know, having a new regime sure, um, and developing habits and things like that. So cool. Agreed. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, 48-34, pretty ho-hum performance, gave up a lot of points to uh, Auburn. Um, they are really good at running the ball. They ran for a bajillion yards. Um, Auburn stinks. Brian Harson still has his job. Anything you want to add there? Yeah, I think it's a little surprising that Ole Miss is continuing to hang its hat on its run game. Obviously, Zach Evans is really good, but um, it's just, uh, I guess to me, it's a little interesting to see Lane Kiffin evolve a little bit and um, play to his strengths. Um, they're running the ball every which way you can do it. It's, it's, it's dart. It's, it's Evans. It's sweeps. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting to see Auburn still put up uh, a pretty good game. It, it was interesting to see that one as tight as it was late, but, um, yeah, Ole Miss has kind of a show me game coming up against LSU. Yeah. I hate to say they I haven't mean, like, played anybody. They I mean, haven't really. played anybody. Here's a crazy statistic. Uh, they're weird. Ole Miss is a top 10 team playing an unranked LSU team. We're favored 
LSU is favored by Vegas. That's that spread that spread opened at LSU plus two. Depending on where you look, it's like LSU minus two now. But we'll talk more about that. Uh, but in reference to Ole Miss, I mean they're winning. They are. If any, if there's any, if there's any team in the top ten that's fool's gold, it's Ole Miss. Um, they really have not played anybody, but they're, we're, they're, they're it's about to get real. LSU is a solid team. We're going to give them a real. We're gonna, I think we're going to give them a shot, especially in, t- in Death Valley. Um, they're playing at A and M versus Alabama at Arkansas uh, versus Mississippi State. Um, you know the what we're we're what we're talking about Ole Miss now. We're going to learn so much about. It. They've got very very backloaded schedule starting with LSU this week. So we'll find about them. Uh, Syracuse twenty four to nine. Um, Syracuse six and zero. Oh. Uh, good for them. Nice nice little story. Dev, their uh, NC State is just a shell himself without Devin Leary. That's it's just he's he's hurt. He's out. Nothing they can do without him. I don't have any much. I'm sorry, NC State fans. I you know they're five and two, which is nice, but without him, they ain't gonna do much. Uh, Syracuse rolls. Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker's a really good back. Um, can they hang with Clemson next week? You know, I don't know. I think when you have a team like like what Syracuse is doing, you start getting a lot of buy-in in the locker room, and and you can put together a performance that's probably a bit above your head, which might let them hang around more than we think that they should against the Clemson. I don't really think the game will be close when the final bell rings. I don't, you know, I, I think Clemson will pull away. I, we talked about it prior to the show. I think Syracuse is fool's gold. I think I've said it all year. They've survived on the flukiest circumstances, but you got to give them credit for that. At the same time, they find a way to win. NC Listen. State's a good football team. NC State still has a good defense. Um, and you know, they, they kind of squeaked out a little bit of a a, a hard game to watch. You know, I, I just made I just made a point about Ole Miss being fool's gold. Syracuse, my ultimate fool's gold. Their their wins so far: UConn, Louisville, Virginia, Wagner, Purdue, who's actually Purdue. pretty darn good, that was a good, game. good, good yeah. and NC State. So you might be right. So they they and they and the next two games: Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State, Wake, Boston College. Their next five weeks, not Boston College, is not very tough. But those the next five weeks. Um, we'll, we'll see again, um, this, you know, we're at that magic time of the season where, you know, teams that have had a really hot starts and good runs, you know, the, the world is their oyster until it's not, you know, the, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to, the competition, step of competition is going to be real, but we'll come back to that game a little bit. It's still hard to win football games. I mean, hard to win even if you're a mediocre team, yep. you going undefeated this far into the season is not easy. Nope. Nope. Uh, Kentucky, uh, Somehow beat Mississippi State by 10. Pretty convincingly, too. Chris Rodriguez, 31 carries, 197 yards, two touchdowns. You made a, you made a point of calling him out weeks ago when he was hurt. I guess I didn't realize how good he is. He is a stud. Mississippi yeah, he's, pretty, a, he's an all-SEC back. Mississippi State is a good defense, and they got worked. I, I, I think we both picked Mississippi State in this one as well. Um they're a good team at home with Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez. At least they – or or Mississippi State didn't show up. I don't know what your analysis is. I think for me, this is a style style matchup. And Mississippi State's still a good team, yeah, um, and and Kentucky is is strong in in certain areas as well. I mean, they're they're a good team across the board. Uh, I don't think that Mississippi State had the uh, explosiveness to deal with um, Kentucky's physicality and force them to play the game on their terms. Uh, Kentucky was able to, like I said, pound Chris Rodriguez. And um, Mississippi State's mo, you know, we've talked about it, is using the the pass game as 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 a run game. 
kind of control the clock pass game and they didn't hit on enough splash plays to kind of, if you put Kentucky behind the eight ball and, and force Will Levis to, to throw the ball and try to make um, down the field passes, his offensive line is not good enough to, to hold up. He's going to get hit. He's going to make mistakes. It's one of the worst offensive lines in the league. He gives up, they give up more sacks than anybody. And the game just played out very favorable to Kentucky. So um, yeah, we, I, I got that wrong. Mississippi state has been a hot team. I think it was just, it ended up, being one of those clash of styles that went Kentucky's way this time. Yeah. That's my take. Uh, I think it's, I think I'm about done with the games this week. Uh, Texas was a 15 point favorite. Couldn't really show up at Iowa state got done 24 of 21. Uh, B. John Robinson's the man 25, 28 carries 135 yards. When you have an all American, you feed him. That's my only take on that game. Yeah, you definitely feed him. Feed him, feed him, feed him a lot. Uh, feed him a lot. Uh, Illinois, a nice win against Minnesota. Battle of the Big Ten West. Um, Tommy DeVito, Chase Brown. Chase Brown, this kid is workhorse. 41 carries, 180 yards. Uh, Illinois has a monster showdown with Purdue in two weeks. That's going yeah, to be the game for the West. You're, you're I've Purdue been talking about players. him. I've been talking about Chase Brown every opportunity that I've gotten. I think it's only been like two or three times because, you know, they just haven't been in the spotlight. He's, I think he's still leading the country in rushing. Yeah, the boy they will go as he goes. I, th- that's another one that's a very big style matchup because Purdue can spread you out. They can, they can, they can, yeah, they can score in, in chunks. And obviously, Illinois wants to feed him a thousand times and grind the ball into the ground. Uh, so that'll be a, kind of an interesting one to watch. Well, this is a Brett Bielema's team. This is the uh, Brett Bielema from Wisconsin and, and uh, Arkansas. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, Tommy, this is year three, I think, of Brett. Maybe year four. So this is this this team, Chase Brown. That offense has his fingerprints all over it. It is going to be a we're going to run the ball a ton, and Purdue and Aiden O'Connell says so we're going to throw the ball a ton. So cool. that'll be a fun game to profile. Yeah, Purdue does, has no ground game. Yep, Illinois' only ground game. Yep, uh, disaster in the Sun Belt. Our JMU dogs of Duke, uh, the lose 45, 38. Uh, Man, who would have called that? <sighs> just sad. Just I did. Sad. Well, good good call. Good call. <laughs> Jamie's still, still a good team. Uh, they're, they're going to follow the rankings this week. Um, yeah, no, it's, it sucks to see him go, but the, you know, they can still have a great year when the Sun Belt. I'm still, I'm still on the Duke Dogs, and they're still yeah, the best team. In, I still think of the best team in Virginia, so I'm going to keep talking about them until they're not. Uh, Notre Dame. Ha! Huh. One step forward, two steps back. Lost to Stanford. They were like twenty some points. Stanford was like oh, Stanford and Marshall, two and Stanford and Marshall are two and zero oh against Notre Dame, zero oh and seven against all other FBS teams in the country. What is he doing, Notre Dame? Every time I th- I just said you have it back on track. I just said they're going to be fine, and then this happens. Um, Wowzers. Yeah, that spread was a 16 and a half point um, spread for uh, for Notre Dame. Yeah, Stanford is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, this is not the Stanford of old. This is not the Stanford of, of, of a few years ago, you know, with uh, with uh, Drew Luck. No. Or Andrew Luck. Uh, it, it's just, yeah, that was not a good, not a good look. I got to tell you, I'm more and more happy every day that uh, – Brian Kelly did not bring uh, Tommy Reese's offensive coordinator with him. Uh, there's, there's, just don't they don't have the offensive playmakers on offense, and their their play calling stinks. Um, the defense is solid. Notre Dame still is a solid defense. And Marcus Freeman's defensive minded coach, who's a former DC there, so I expect them to. But they're off. They are quickly drifting into. Here's your hot take. 
Is Notre Dame the new Iowa? Um, I wouldn't go that far because they're still in year one, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. this is not it's like, like – It's like Kirk Ferentz is year 12. <laughs> yeah, this is not like, okay, this is the program. Deal with it. I'm not changing. This is They're still kind of figuring things out, but they'd have too much talent to lose to a Stanford team that they're favored by almost 17 points. Yeah, no, it's just inexcusable for this for, for what this team want to do. They're going to, and they're like, they're like four and three, three. They're going to lose a couple more games. I don't think they're going to challenge USC at the end of the year. Um, Which is a shame because they, USC needs to continue to be challenged by somebody. Correct. And because Utah was like their only test this yeah. year well, the, the, well, well what's going to happen is now the, the battle for los angeles usc yeah. ucla is going to be a doozy that's gonna be a great game um which is, i think is the very end of the year but no use usc notre dame is one of those rivalry week or the week before rivalry week games that like had historically like the bush push game like this this yeah. it has been one of the marquee matches of college football um but it's not gonna be this year because notre dame is just not very good at football um so uh yeah the battle for is that the shillelagh <laughs> the gold, the golden shillelagh. I think yeah. We, yeah, we'll have to get we'll have to do our uh, trophy series games again like we did last year. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, also also puts to bed uh, hopefully forever the rumor that Brian Kelly was uh, holding Notre Dame back. Because um, I got to tell you, I that's that he's not he is not four and three against that schedule. That's that's Marcus Freeman. So enjoy a new coach. All right, as a little shot at Notre Dame fans, that is probably unnecessary. Ooh, uh, hot take. Suck at Notre Dame fans. <laughs> Suck at Notre Dame fans. Uh, last but certainly not least, my LSU Tigers. My LSU Tigers went down to Florida, um, got themselves a win. Winning in the swamp is tough. Um, uh, really happy with uh, LSU. 45-35. Uh, Jaden Daniels had the game of his life. Three touchdowns yeah, Who here. was that guy? This is this, you know, I said to you, or I said to you a couple weeks ago, what I all I wanted every week out of this team, and it was true every week until the Tennessee game, was this team to get better a little bit every week. Like show, get, show us the offensive line, have the secondary kind of should do something different. Like let's see some shuffling, let's see some development, let's see some coaching adjustments. And we had seen that in practice, like substantially. Like you could tell every week the team would get better until the Tennessee game, all the wheels just fell off the bus. Um, and Florida was another step forward. I do think, and this is kind of a hot take. I don't know how you feel about it. I think Florida might be bad. Um, I watched a hour long, yes, an hour long film take on just Florida's defense today, and there were so many plays where. And this is shout out uh, Gator Nation podcast is awesome video on YouTube, and they were just showing the Florida defense, the secondary, the linebackers, just going for the wrong guy. Like when Jane didn't, they when Jane didn't, the receivers were running routes. Kayshawn Boudet was doing his things. The receiver, the safeties were turning their hips the wrong way. They were just flat out not missing guys. They, I mean, Anthony Richardson obviously can do pretty fun things. He did that crazy eighty-one yard run uh, today where no one wanted to tackle. Did you watch that play? On- yeah. It's, yeah, that was the worst tackling though I've ever seen. What, I think they were trying to strip or they something. They were like high fiving or something. So Anthony Richardson went for this eighty-one yard touchdown scamper, and like he got touched. I'm not gonna say hit. He got touched uh, by. He got padded on. Padded. He got. He got, he got like TSA he security. Got a little, yeah, check, he got a little, like, yeah. Little, was like a little, me, a little metallic wave situation yeah. by like eight tigers. Just nobody won the tie. I guess they were all going for the strip. Kudos for Anthony Richardson for holding on the ball and not giving up. But he runs for a touchdown that should not have been a touchdown. So he can do things like that when things like that happen. But I think the rest of Florida sucks. Um, I don't think they're. I don't think they're very good. Um, so well, I think, I think they have some talent. I think what you're seeing is I don't defense. one of the things. I think one of the things that we talked about would be a question mark for LSU and it's starting to trend in the other direction. 
I think you're seeing a first year head coach in and his team experiencing a culture shift and not responding well when things are going poorly. Uh, I, I don't remember who it was, but I saw one of their players tweet from the locker room uh, a picture of himself and the caption was F this team. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, I saw that too, which is, that's not good. It was, a, he, my, my understanding is he was a walk on or a preferred walk on and he was a legacy. His dad and uncle and grandfather were all Gators and he never plays. But that's going to be an awkward conversation because someone's got to follow up with him and say, guy, uh, you can't do that. Um, so yeah, there's, regardless, there's, you can tell the effort is not there and the buy in is not there. No, certainly not yet. And maybe, I mean, I, it's unfair as much as you and I hate Florida and you and I hate Florida pretty, pretty darn good. Oh yeah. Um, I hate him. Yeah. It's unfair for us to, I hate him real good. I, and so do I, um, as I, this is why it's easy to be a Tennessee, be a classic Tennessee fan. Cause we hate the same people. You hate Florida and Alabama uh, just about as much as I hate Florida. And Alabama. The enemy like it's, it's, uh, your the enemy, enemy is my friend. Is exactly. Friend. Precisely. Um, do you ever do it? So let's give Napier the same, allowance that we're going to give Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly and every first year oh, yeah. coach. It's I, first year. I am for sure. I, yeah. I think, but, but I think it's a hard, Florida's a hard place to do that uh, because they forced out coaches that have been very successful in short periods of time um, because their fan base and their administration. Um, it's tough. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of like what you're seeing at Auburn and yep. that's, it's, you know, when things aren't going your way, yeah, I kind of thought they were foolish to fire Dan Mullen, but I wasn't pay- I wasn't paying attention to that because I really like Dan Mullen. I thought he was a good coach, but now he's getting paid forty five million dollars a year to not coach and be on the SEC network. So good for him. But back to back to what we're to, what we're here talking today was college football, and um, I, I want I want to talk about uh, LSU's kind of growth again. You know, we have two true freshmen starting at both of our tackles, uh, Will Campbell and Emory Jones. Will Campbell won SEC Offensive Player of the Week, I think, with actually a co won it with a Tennessee, a Tennessee offensive lineman, I think, has also won it as well. Very exciting. Um, our best player on defense, or our most talented player, is our other true – we have – our other true freshman, Harold Perkins. Um, he was the five-star uh, linebacker who is just flying around the ball, making a lot of really exciting plays. Um, and Walker Howard, the five-star uh, true freshman pocket passer quarterback, who was uh, he's technically number one, although he's actually number two until Quinn Ewers resupplies. We have put some real pieces in place for the building. Our offensive line is going to be much better next year, even better the year after. On defense, you're starting to see it. Um it's refreshing after watching LSU and Ed Orgeron, who was his big recruiting closer, who frankly didn't do any sideline coaching, to have a team that goes in the second half with better playbook, better, better understanding, better things are happening, and to see the team growing, um, moving forward. Maybe that's just because the bar has been so was so lowered after two seasons with, with Ed Orgeron. But um, I, you asked me last week, how do I feel about Brian Kelly? I feel really good. Now, of course, we'll lose to Ole Miss by 20, and I'll feel bad again. But you know. Yeah, but at 5-2 and two right now, you're you're ahead of schedule. You're feel, you've got to be feeling good. Yeah. So, I That's mean, what, and, and things are still ahead of you even this year. I mean, yeah. the year's not over. Who knows? So the story in the SEC West for the last 20 years has really always been the winner is the winner of the LSU-Alabama game at the first week of November. That's typically been the story in the West since Saban was at uh, LSU 20 years ago. Um, You know, the last two years clearly has not been the case. Um, But if we win this week, 
Um, and, we, and we're going into we're going into that game hosting them, um, hosting Alabama in Baton Rouge at six and two, and they're seven and one. I'm presumably battle for the West again. I mean, again, it just goes to show you that like we are at this team is trending in the right direction. This is going to be a very exciting offseason for LSU. The way things are going, um, I like our chances this week. Actually, you know what? Are we done? Should we talk about next week? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's talk about next week. We're, 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 it's already 45-minute-long podcast. Jeez, sorry, everybody. Um, really quick, uh, so LSU is hosting Ole Miss this week. Uh, thread, the uh, thread. Line open at um, LSU plus two. Now it's minus two. Um, it's pretty darn rare that an unranked team would be a dog on the road, but here they are. Um, we kind of already talked about it. Um, so uh, Ole Miss can run the ball really well. Uh, the question for me is, can LSU adjust? Which I Can Matt House defense settle in and play some adjustments? And what version, question number one, question number two is what version of Jaden Daniels are we going to see? Yeah. Is it going to be? Yeah, a, he's been inconsistent. Yeah. Um, I think some of that is them figuring out how to use him. I think he's better when he's kind of out there making plays, being a football player, running. Um, but... Yeah, I think the offensive line plays a big, big role in that because I think they gave up, what, five, six sacks or something like that against Tennessee. Then they shored things up against Florida, looked much better, and Jaden Daniels performed much better. I think he's trusting his wide receivers a lot more. We talked about that off off camera. I yep. think he's got talent on the outsides. Yeah. So he's just got to trust them and, and, and in some cases be a little more reckless with the football. Sure. I also think I also think Denbrook is calling more RPO stuff. I think they're making him more comfortable. Our offense is kind of looking like a little bit more like a poor man's Tennessee offense, and um, what we think we're trying to do with Daniels. I do think Daniels' skill set is not at Hennon Hooker's, but I think it's similar. And I think I think some of the things that Hooker does well, Jaden can do as well. So I'd like to see the offense continue to evolve that way, especially since he's got another year of eligibility. It's funny you say that because I've seen a lot of comparisons for Tennessee's offense to the 2019 LSU offense. Oh, interesting. The number is actually halfway through the season, if you look it up, almost spot on. Yeah, okay. I mean, we were that was a pro style office, Joe Burrow, and obviously and numbers and, wise. Numbers wise. Um, but I guess I mean I I mean that that if anyone's gonna challenge the 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama offenses, it's gonna be the 2022 Tennessee Volunteers. Um, because those are you know, the, those are big numbers. Good on you. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling good about Ole Miss. I mean, is, uh, those are the two questions for me. Can tennis, can LSU's defense do enough to slow down their run and what version of Jane Daniels can come? Everything else can take care of itself. It's the three thirty game on CBS. It's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a madhouse. Um, I know LSU nation is high off that Florida win. And even Florida's bad. Just beating them just feels so damn good. I know yeah, Tennessee fans matter. feel it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't, it matter. doesn't matter. They're still yeah. capable. They're still talented. Yeah. They're um, still a rival. It's totally. still mad. Yeah. It, you you kind of throw some of that stuff out the window. It's the same reason that, that we still talk about Auburn, Alabama every year, regardless of the schedules. I mean, look at last year when Auburn sometimes weird things happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a rivalry and things happen. Yep. Uh, so we're, I'm feeling good. Um, that's it. We'll see what happens. Uh, LSU yeah, why is the spread so tight? Um, I, you tell I, me. Um, because Vegas doesn't think Ole Miss has beaten anybody. They think they, they think they're overvalued, which they might be. But like we thought that about maybe some people thought about Tennessee in week four. We definitely thought that about Michigan until last week. I don't think they are now. I think Michigan is right where they're supposed to. Be. I think Michigan's really, really, really good. But I didn't. So I think 
My point is Ole Miss could do that. What I mean, what if Ole Miss comes and in, comes into Baton Rouge and beats us by 20? And then they're going to be in the top five. They're going to be in that Clemson range. Um, but they haven't done that yet. So I think everyone's saying, yeah, playing Death Valley against a solid LSU team that's rapidly improving every week. I don't think so. It's going to be tough. So that's my prediction. Yeah. I, for me, I think, I think Ole Miss still has what, more bullets in the chamber. Uh, when I look at this game, I think that, of course, you know, Death Valley, Tiger Stadium, going to be riled up. It'll be oh, interesting yeah. to see how Ole Miss responds. Oh, yeah. um, but they, you know, if they can still, even though they hang, they've been hanging their hat on a run game, Lane Kiffin can still dial it up downfield. And it's going to be a heck of a task for LSU's defense to try to bottle up that offense. I agree. I agree. And can, and can LSU's offense be explosive? Because we haven't seen them do it consistently. Nope. We'll see. Uh, the the game of the week and the actual game of the week that everyone should be watching, and it's actually a great time because we get to watch these teams on the on the on the West Coast so much. Uh, number nine UCLA, number ten uh, Oregon, three thirty Outson Stadium. Chip Kelly, for the coach of UCLA, former coach of Oregon, going back to his old stomping grounds. Uh, the spread is Oregon minus six over under seventy one points. Going to be some points. UCLA is the lone undefeated team in the Pac twelve. Um, Oregon is good. I mean, I know they got erased in week one by Georgia. Um, they ever since then, they've been taking care of business. They have. Yeah. And Bo Nix has played much better football. Bo Nix is playing consistently at a pretty high level football. Uh, I mean, I, that guy deserves some credit. Um, he's, he, I frankly, after what I saw at uh, Auburn and then what I, what I didn't see the Georgia game, I kind of thought he was done for, but Dan Lanning seems to have gotten the best out of him. Um, that's really exciting. On the other side, ZTR, Zach Charbonnet, Chip Kelly, that offense, I mean, rocking a hard play situation. I'm a little surprised that the, 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 speaking of like why Vegas, why, why is the threads? Why is the thread? I keep saying that. Why is the spread so high? Why is it six points and not two points? I don't know. I think this is a shootout that could go either way. The weather conditions. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Um, Outson, oh, really? as, as we both know, can be very intimidating, very loud. Part of me thinks is UCLA ready for this kind of task? You know, to go on the road to play in a game of this kind of magnitude. They are, are they ready to rain. answer the bell. Um, I like Oregon in this game. I like, I like, I know I've talked about Bo Nix's inconsistencies, but I think him at home, you know, in the comfort of, of his own stadium, I think is a different environment. I think they're going to be ready to play this game. And I, I like Oregon. UCLA has been fun, 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 and they could very easily win. I see an, a really exciting game, but I, I just, I like Oregon in this one uh, in the end. I'm back on the Oregon and I'm on Oregon train. I'm kind of low key. Think I think low key uh, Oregon might be the best team in Pac-12 after despite, despite what happened in Week One. What I've seen from them so far, I I think Oregon has has turned it on. Uh, number fourteen Syracuse uh, at number five Clemson noon on ABC. Clemson thirteen and a half point favorites. Um, just a huge increase in talent. Um, I don't think Clemson is good as the top four teams in the country: Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. Um, but because uh, because I don't think they're elite at anything. I think they're pretty good at, every, at anything. Um, 
but they are way better than Syracuse. So it's not going to be a problem this week. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, we talked about Syracuse being fool's gold. This spread is telling us exactly that. Yeah. I mean, is there a world where Syracuse gets a couple bounces of, of the ball and, and hangs in there with some turnovers? And then you look at the fourth quarter and it's anybody's game. Yes. Is there, you know, a world where, you know, DJ Uyangle regresses and Syracuse hangs in there? Yes. Do I see it happening? No, they're more talented across the board. Syracuse has just been surviving by the skin of their teeth. They barely all year beat. Long. They barely beat our Wahoos. Twenty-two. And one of our one of our Patreons, Eric, pointed out recently. They they had they had a hell. And that game was in the Carrier Dome, whatever dome that call is called. That game was at yeah. home. This game is in Death Valley. Um, I for Clemson for Clemson to lose this game, Garrett Schrader, the the Syracuse quarterback, would have to have an out of body experience. I mean, I just they'd have, they would have to play at so much higher of a out of a level than what we've seen them play at this year, which is a weird thing to say about a six and zero team. I mean, what else do you want them to do? They've won every game they played, but they do not look at all like a team capable of challenging this team in Clemson. Um, maybe they cover, but I don't think so. I got I like Clemson by as much as they want. Yeah, I think this is uh, a prime motivational moment for Dabo and staff. Um, you know, you've got a team that is, you know, a top 15 team coming in town. Um, you haven't really been able to get everybody firing on all cylinders and on the same page. And, 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 and you haven't really played like your full to your full capability all year long, except maybe that weight game. But that was another similar situation where all eyes were on you. Yeah. Um, you know, this is could, this is a they could have lost spot. that game. This is a prime spot for Clemson to to put a beat down and say, hey, you know, we're still Clemson. We still have the talent. You know, there's still a huge talent gap in this game. There is an outrageous scenario where Tennessee and Michigan have won losses, and there's and they and they play so much. They they play the year at such a high level that they're looking at them. And saying maybe they want to go in over at Clemson. Clemson might still. I don't think they do because I think it'll be enough. There'll be enough chaos between now and the end. But they could use a really good performance. They could use. Yeah. They could at they this could point. Yeah, it. you're right. Style points mean a lot. They are not at- out of the style. They, you know, or the, there's also a world where the where TCU and UCLA or Oregon look really good. Like I, you know, Clemson. Um, Clemson's. I, I expect them to win every game. And probably the probably the coast division as well, but style points are going to matter to them. I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Texas number twenty, Texas number eleven, Okie State. Uh, that game is at three thirty on ABC. Texas is on the road, a six and a half point favorite after kind of a pretty ho hum performance against Iowa State. They were fifteen point favorites last week. Yeah, we were just declaring game. Texas back with Quinnures, <sighs> and and you know with him you know, they're capable of anything. You know, speaking he's back, of the yeah. Texas is back. Yeah, speaking of teams that need a ton of help, I want Texas to win and cover this game big just because I want the chaos of a Texas that's two loss and 10 and two. And everyone's going to say, well, well, Ken Ewers wasn't there for the, the, the Bama game and he wasn't there for the TC, uh, Texas Tech game. So this should be 12 and 0. I want that to happen. I just, I'm yeah. looking forward to that Twitter fight. So I'm pulling for Texas to run the table and win the Big 12. So give me Texas the cover and win. I kind of agree with you. I think last game was a tricky spot for them as far as like a letdown, as far as, you know, Quinn Ewers coming back. And, yeah, and there's no look it, ahead here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Texas in this one. Um, but, 
Yeah, I'll just go Texas. That's all yeah. I'll say. Uh, Spencer Sanders, we know what you get out of him. I just Texas is better. Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy has as well coached. So, I mean, we might be singing a whole different song. Um, but it seems like Sarkeesian has them bought, bought in. I think they're, yeah, Texas is the better team top to bottom. Oh, they've yes. got the better defense. Oh, yes. They, they've got Bijan Robinson. They've got Quinn Ewers back. Yeah. They, I, I kind of like Texas to, to, to make a statement here. Yep. I do too. Um, I'm looking around uh, really quickly. Uh, Mississippi State, uh, number 24 at number six, Alabama, seven o'clock, ESPN, Brian Denny. Alabama Speaking of making a statement. We're going to make a statement. Uh, two things I expect to happen this week. Um, well, one thing I expect to happen Alabama to win big. I think it's going to be a big, I think it's going to be a get back, get right, get healthy, get some frustration out game for Alabama. Um, but I am really interested. Other thing that I want to keep my eye on, I'm curious on, given the way Mississippi State attacks them and given what Tennessee did, although Tennessee took a ton of deep shots as we all know Mississippi doesn't do that as well I would love the only thing I'm really interested in this game is to see because LSU is playing them in two weeks is to see if Mike Leach kind of lets him Will Rogers is a good he's leading the country in yards 2300 yards he's a good quarterback and Alabama's secondary is a fraction of what we are we are accustomed to in terms of Alabama secondaries um yeah. and State, I think Will Rogers just broke the completion record i think i saw that too so the question for me is i mean i still expect alabama to win big maybe pounding the ball and just uh bryce young over the top but i am curious as to see how if mississippi state can keep it close what mississippi state's offense if they can attack them with any kind of success like tennessee had yeah i I am crediting tennessee's offensive line um giving them a ton a ton of credit for protecting Hendon Hooker and allowing Tennessee to run the ball. I'll be interested to see if Mississippi State uses their quick pass game to keep the pressure off Will Rogers and sort of alleviates a lot of that pressure from Bama's front seven because they're still a super talented team. I mean, they're going to make plays, and this week is going to be hell for them. Bama world is on fire. There's no way if this is the Bama team that we think they are, that they don't come in and just absolutely wreck house. Yeah. I expect, I expect Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, those, those, those defensive studs, in the front seven have big days as well. I and mean, we obviously- know Bryce Young is, is still Bryce Young yeah, Bryce and Young Jameer is Gibbs is still Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Um, so who does Mississippi State have that can answer that firepower on the offensive side? Man, what was Jameer Gibbs doing at Georgia Tech? He is so good. Nobody in the SEC wanted him. I what? Why? They thought, they thought he was undersized. Oh my god, he is so good. Uh, I, I actually, I mean, I hate Alabama, but I really, I like watching him play. He's really, really good at football. Um, yeah. I think that's the only. Any other games you want to talk about? Um, oh, we, oh, no, we totally forgot to talk about. Um, is uh, Virginia Tech uh, last week? Virginia Tech um, lost 20, 20 to fourteen to Miami. It's a rivalry game. It's tough. They were down seventeen nothing. They lost twenty to fourteen. Um, my, my takeaways for the Hokies, my silver linings, because this is now like three or four straight losses for them, unfortunately. It's a tough year. continues to be tough. Adjustments didn't quit. Um, there are some signs of life in that regard. And Grant Wells didn't turn the ball over as much. So those are kind of my silver linings about what do you, what do you got? Yeah, this was the, I think the only time that these two teams have played or met up on the football field where they've each had a losing record. Um, now that's a statistic. Yeah. Uh, I was really surprised to see Tech hanging in there. They did show a lot of fight. When you look at the stats, I don't know how Tech did hang in there. Um, <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke threw for 350, two touchdowns. He was my pick to win the Heisman preseason. Just remember that. 
I do remember that. And I was dunking on you for it all year because he hasn't played up sex Might be my worst. That was not the time. Might be my worst take of the year. Sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, Miami put up 458 yards of offense. Um, and Tech only Tech didn't even run the ball for 100. And that's what they've been hanging their hat on all year long. We talked about it um, before the pod where Grant Wells ran the ball for them more than their top running back. So I don't know what they were doing. I think their defense played kind of a bend but don't break, which worked out really well for them. Um, I mean, they definitely showed a lot of fight. This is definitely the kind of effort you want to see. But um, from from kind of a playmakers make plays standpoint, I don't know. I don't know how Miami didn't just drub them. So <laughs> good job for hanging in there. This is a moral victory. That's, that's pretty much what I got. That's what we're in the market. That's what that's what this team is in the market for. Uh, I feel the same. I, yeah, I think we're I think we're good there. Um, UVA was um, on a bye week. They are coming off three straight losses as well. Syracuse, Duke, and Louisville. They got an opportunity. They're playing at Georgia Tech tomorrow night. So we're gonna, you're, we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna publish this pod in about an hour. It'll be fresh for, for your ears Thursday morning. So t- tonight, if you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, seven thirty on ESPN. Georgia Tech is only like a three point favorite. Um, UVA coming off a bye. They've had two weeks to rest, recover. Go back to the drawing board, shake off the rust, maybe put some new wrinkles in. Um, can UVA show us something that they haven't showed us yet? Um, can Brennan Armstrong, who has underperformed, and those wideouts by extension, who have underperformed so far this year, can they inject some life? Because Georgia Tech is not good. This is a winnable game. Miami next week at home, which is a game I'm going to be at in person. Actually, I'm going to go into that game. They're not good either. These are this is a chance um to UVA to get a win or two. And they're sitting at two and four. Um, they if they're gonna make a, if they're gonna make any chance at six, at any chance at a bowl, they have to win to they have to win tomorrow night. Have to. They have to. Yeah. Um Georgia Tech's a team that we kind of wrote off and they're sitting at five hundred right now. They've been playing better football. Yeah, than they don't even have a coach. They don't even have a coach, UVA. Come on, Wahoos. Um, and they are going, Virginia, UVA is going into the literal hornet's nest, which we always love to talk about <laughs> it, on this pod. The Georgia Tech it's mascot. actually happening. The Georgia Tech mascot's the yellow jacket. So it's actually the, the yeah. If it, it does say, For all intents and purposes. Relative purposes. Is it not called the hornet's nest? Like, it's not like, welcome to the nest. Does it have uh, anything like Bobby, that? I think it's Bobby Dodd Stadium. That's stupid. Don't you have friends in Atlanta that could like do something about that? Uh, well, I'll pull some strings. We'll see. Talk to Ian, one of our Patreon members as well. Shout out, Ian. Um, he was down there. Maybe, maybe make some calls. See if we can get some people in there. Do something somehow. Um, it's crazy that we have a horn's nest in college football. That's not called the horn's nest. Yeah. Seems like it seems seems like a tragedy. I like UVA in this one. Um, I think Brennan Armstrong. They're stronger across the board. They had a. They're coming off the bye week, which is huge. And yeah. even though I'm, even though we're joking about it. Um, that stadium is a wet blanket to play in. It is, <laughs> it is god awful. So yeah. that shouldn't be an issue. And there were some things to take away from Louisville. Like, you know, you could make, you could find, you know, the, you could find some things that the, there were some things in the UVA and Duke game, despite the fact they've lost both of those by double digits, that there were some things they were doing better. And they they get a bye week. I mean, bye weeks tend to help teams Huge. like this. This team has nothing to lose. Like UVA at this point has nothing to lose. They are building for the future. This is, you know, another oppor- another example of a first year coach, Tony Elliott. So we're going to, and Brent Pry, Virginia Tech, we're going to forgive these guys we're going to give them the latitude and space and time they need to rebuild this thing and good coaches 
make changes and we've got two teams that are pretty evenly matched like you have in this matchup yep. and you've got the luxury of a bye week you should be ready to play you should have the edge here i'm taking uva just because of that i'm taking uva because they've seen what they have so far they've seen what tony Ellis system can do they've had they've had 11 days off and I'm just I'm go this is the wild card play. They're going I'm I am my my confidence that UVA wins this is that they're going to throw something at us that we haven't seen before. Um this year. How about Brennan Armstrong actually throwing the ball. Yeah, we just unloading it. I want to see a 450 yard three touchdown, four touchdown day out of Brennan Armstrong and they're going to beat Georgia Tech. That's what I'm that's a that's what I'm thinking. Uh, very cool. Um, I'm looking around the rest of the schedule. I think we've got. I think we hit all the all the ones that. Uh, any other any other games that you want to speak to? Uh, we've been flying fast and loose. Oh, um, I got, here's a fun one. Number uh, Iowa at number two Ohio State noon on Fox. Does Iowa score more than less than thirteen and a half points? Oof. Less. <laughs> uh, they're thirty point favorites. Ohio State machine just keeps rolling. Um, uh, I God bless the Iowa brethren. I wonder what that. I wonder what that coaching staff is going to look like. Are they going to fire both Forenses by the this year? I I don't know. It's, it's it, they've been solid. Um, yeah. so you know, it's just sort of. It's of, not like the Big Ten West been kind of our joke, but <laughs> it's not like the Big Ten West is unwinnable. It's no. you know they could they could figure out to get back into it, but anyway, uh, I think we're done. Anything yeah. else? Very cool. No, All I right. think I think I think I think. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. Little, little, pretty little, good. Little, just a little bit over an hour. Uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to like, subscribe, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, hey, wait. I had somebody who listens to our show, or at least claims to listen to the show, ask me what the Patreon is. Aha! The Patreon is like a VIP club for the Mike Blitz super fans. And what it is, is you uh, you uh, you give a monthly uh, contribution of support, $3 a month, and you become an exclusive member of our Discord, which is what Mike and I are on every day, talking college football with our other Patreon members. So we're talking all things college football, LSU, uh, University of Tennessee, UVA, Tech, and all the other teams in between. And you can help drive that conversation as well. You can help obviously. drive that conversation. You can give us questions to talk about during the game. If you like picks, we uh, we go get we do we do some we do some gambling picks. Uh, you also get a thank you a thank you letter from Mike and I. You get a uh, uh, high fives in person high fives whenever you see us. And those are a, huge. They're huge. Don't take advantage of that. Don't sleep on those. And we're giving a gift, an undisclosed gift to all of our Patreon members uh, this season. So that is coming. So if you join the Patreon. Yeah, uh, we need a over. few more members. We need because, a few more members, yeah, but uh, get there. we do, but we're going to so get possibly there. Possibly you. Possibly investors. Could yeah. be you. Um, so that's what the Patreon is. But yes, uh, so please uh, join the Patreon. Uh, but if you just, we're also just really grateful if you just want to listen to us, please like, subscribe, give us that five star review. Tell us your friends, tell your friends about it, download it. That's all really helpful. And really, Mike and I really, really appreciate it. Um, so thank you guys so much for doing that. Uh, folks. Have a fabulous weekend, Mike. I know you're going to enjoy this Tennessee Alabama win for I'm the next. Still enjoying it. I'm. This who's, is a. I will remember this forever. Who's the next? So who who we talk? Who we can talk about Alabama next? Who's Tennessee have next week after UT Martin? We got Kentucky okay. uh, at night in okay. Knoxville. All right, and we'll be very likely going dark mode, wearing our black unis. Oh. And then we've got Georgia in Athens. Oh, just just a little two week ahead teaser. Uh, Georgia. 
Tennessee is the same day as LSU, um, Alabama. So it's going to be a monster day for Mike and I and the big pod. day for so, the show. Big day for the show. So that's that, that's your that's your look ahead situation. Yeah, and for some context, I'm scheduling our um, two year old's birthday party around the Georgia game. Well, that's so just that's, that's what just, that's what. That just makes good. That just makes good sense. I mean, it's just yeah, make, I mean, I mean, that's just, just yeah. everyone. That's just that's just the facts. This is a good life. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I think I'm done. See Peace. Ya. Go.